see what's going on. Good morning. Welcome to One Way Conversation. It's, oh shit, that can't be good. That's never what you want to hear first thing in the morning in the, in the car, right? I have no idea what that beep was for, man. Seatbelts are on and everything. All right, well, to be determined, we'll see how we do. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. Hope we get through this this uh, this commute unscathed and uh, in one piece, right? Unfortunately, behind a fucking school bus, so we know that's not going to happen. We know it's going to be it's going to be a lot of cursing, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of insults hurled at innocent bus drivers. All right, let's get going. This is hey, this is the fun of the show, right? Where we get to get to ride in the car with me. I mean, I can't think of any podcast that has real-life experiences built in to the format. It's the only one, baby. Everybody's got a fucking studio with fancy microphones, fancy headphones, soundproof walls. Here, if it's raining, you hear the rain. If I have to fucking swerve to get away, if some schmuck, you hear the curses coming out of my mouth. Okay? You feel the near-death experiences. For stuck in traffic, the misery carries over. Nothing like it. Let me tell you something. Yesterday, Yankees signed Garrett Cole. That was the big news of the day. And, all right, that's it. That's it, okay? He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, got some of, one of the richest contracts in history. And now, to me, it's like, on to the next thing. I, I can't sit here. I can't sit here and celebrate a signing. If this guy falls fat in his face, it's going to be one of the biggest failures of all time. It's going to be one of the biggest flops of all time. Okay, so the, the reward here is high, but the risk also is high. I mean, this guy, you know, has an injury. It's not the same. It's spring training. I mean, that's, it's nine years. Um, but you know what? This is what the guy demands. He had Boris was his agent. Somebody's going to give some ridiculous number to him. And... The Yankees decided it was going to be them. So it's fine. Right? You married to the guy. Now you go out and get to work. Okay, The work starts now. Okay, Now you start earning your paycheck. You didn't earn it in Houston last year. You didn't earn it in Pittsburgh three or four years ago. You start earning it now. Well, got to me yesterday was not so much the oversaturation. I was waiting for, you know, that's got, it's bound to happen on a day like yesterday. There's not really a whole lot going on. What fucking got to me was, you get all you get some of the worst headlines, just trying to add. I don't know what the goal of these things are, but like the the dumbest shit I could ever imagine. One was like, uh, don't let don't let the friendly confines of Yankee Stadium scare you away. Garrett Cole is still a top fantasy option for 2020. What genius wrote that? I mean, that's from the book of no shit. Do we really need that? That's like It was just a guy, a guy had a thought and decided to write it down. You don't have to write down all your thoughts, man. First, and writing about fantasy. I mean, that's a tough gig, man. That's a tough gig. I can't think of anything more disposable than writing about fantasy sports. We can do it without you guys. I hate to say it. We don't need you. 98%. I'm sure there's, like, you know, Matthew Barry or whatever. I don't even read that guy. But you don't, you know, I'm sure that guy, there's a market for him. I mean, 
mean, I can't think of anything more disposable. It's day by day. Football, it's week by week. You're only as good. You're, even if you are good, nobody cares about it because nobody keeps track of these things. Oh, wow, you knew exactly who to pick. You knew that this guy would have a great year. But then you also said these four guys have great years. Two of them got hurt, and one of them had a two-and-a-half-month slump, and he's now batting 221. Get out of here. So I don't know why that. I don't know why somebody thought that that was a necessary article to write. I think that's not something I'm clicking on. Next one, Evil Empire's back. Yankees are kings of the offseason with cold signing. You mean they, they signed the best available pitcher. They added the best available piece to their team. And the kings of the offseason. Okay. Thanks, man. Thanks for that riveting take. I mean, <laughs> kings of the offseason. You don't have to write. I mean, imagine having like your dream comes true, right? Oh, oh I'm a sports writer. I'm going to be a big sports writer. I'm going to be Sports Illustrated, ESPN. You know, Bleacher Report, Barstool, whatever the fuck it might be. And you got to write these fucking half-assed, zero-content headlines and article and stories. There's just nothing to them. It's fluff. It's puff. It's nothing. It's like it's like whipped cream without the flavor. Uh, it's, it's not like whipped cream. I like whipped cream. It's fucking cotton candy. Okay. May, like, maybe it looks tempting to you at first. See, I've learned my lesson. 37 years old, I've learned my lesson. Cotton candy is fucking disgusting. But maybe you want, oh, this looks like an interesting article. And you click it, and then in the end you just feel like sick to your stomach. Which is what cotton candy is. Oh, it looks light and fluffy and pink or blue, and it looks like it's going to be delicious. And if you even like that first like bite of it, like kind of melts in your tongue, and like oh, and then you start kind of, kind of chewing it, and you get like sand. It's the sugar, but it's the sugar without any flavor, without any of the fluff, without any of the excitement of what's on that fucking cardboard stick. Just dissolves, dissolves in your tongue like that. It's gone, and all you're left with is a mouthful of sand. And if you keep eating that shit, you're gonna have some stomach problems, man. You're not going to feel good about yourself. In the very end, you're, you're not going to feel good about your life. You're not going to feel good about where your next hour or so is going to go. You might even have a little bit of a headache from all the fucking sugar. And that's what these articles are. You're peddling cotton candy. Kings of the fucking off-season. Come on, man. Do better than that. You gotta do better than that. The most obvious fucking thing I've ever heard of in my life. Evil Empire back. <laughs> oh man. Tell you what though, man, it is a gamble. It's a big time gamble. Right? But you know what? We're gamblers. We like that. If you're gonna gamble, gamble with this. And I, now you know what other people bitching about not signing Harper, not signing Machado, not signing fucking Dallas Keuchel. People wanted Dallas Keuchel last year. Not signing Patrick Corbin, who did win a World Series this year. 
but he won a World Series behind behind Scherzer and Strasburg. But not signing Corbin to be, you know, your co-ace, which is pretty much what he would have been on this team, on this Yankee team. But now we know why, because he wanted to throw the money at, at a real ace. So we take the gamble, and that's it. We ride, and we ride with this guy. All right. Well, that's enough Yankee talk. We did all Yankee shit yesterday. We're gonna get into this. Is uh, it's December twelfth, two thousand nineteen, national holiday. Nobody's gonna fucking celebrate it with you. It's a national holiday you only hear about here. Okay, in a world where we live in, it's Donut Day. It's uh, National Peaches and Cream Day. It's National Secretary Day. It's National, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I was trying to think of something. And I was doing one of those things where I was looking around. I was going to be like, it's National License Plate Day, looking for shit in the road. It's National On-Ramp Day. That was the, the, nothing really clicked. <laughs> nothing really clicked at all. I don't know. It's National uh, Call Your call your Uncle on uh, your, your Father's Side twice removed day honestly it wasn't very good either better off with fucking national license plate day no this is a legitimate national holiday today that should be celebrated and it's a very simple celebration okay it's Frank Sinatra's birthday December 12th 1915 he would have been 104 years had he survived uh to, to, to this day. He died when he was 80-something, 80 83, I believe. I think he died in 98. So, yeah, he died when he was 83. Uh, 82, because it was before his birthday. And uh, he's he's a uh, interesting... She's interesting figure in American history. Look, the guy's a fucking legend, all right? God damn it all. Well, look, we got I got left lanes closed up ahead. I'm going to miss my fucking train. Accident on the highway. Okay, fuck you. Fuck you, fuckball. So we get more Sinatra. I could get away from that terrible introduction. Interesting figure in American in American history. No, the guy was the legend, the entertainer of the 20th century. The chairman of the board, the voice. Hero to many. Oh, the old uh, women wanted to be with him. Men wanted to be him. That guy. Sinatra, the king. I think, sadly, his memory is uh, fading away. I think people my age... I am one in a million with people my age. I have met hardly anybody my age who celebrates Sinatra like I do. You know, there's still certain things you got to do like Sinatra. You get, you're, put, you're getting dressed. You're going to a wedding. You got to dress up nice. You do it like Sinatra. You shoot your cuffs. You put on nice cufflinks. You're going to a, you're going to a wedding and you're wearing a tux. You got to fix that tie, all right. Still, and I went to one wedding this year that I wasn't in, and I forgot to do it. But I always had a little hint of orange because orange was his favorite color. A little hint of orange somewhere, whether it's part of my tie, part of my tie, or it's like, or it's the uh, handkerchief in my in my lapel. There's always a little Sinatra. Always a touch of Sinatra. Very easy to celebrate the man's birthday. It's just Jack Daniels, baby, and that's it. Although, even drinking at these weddings, 
I do, I, I do it in, in the manner of Sinatra. Starts off the night before dinner, starts off with martinis, just like Frank. A couple of olives. Frank was a vodka guy, I believe. He liked it with vodka and a uh, touch of vermouth. Exactly how I order my martinis with olives. Up, of course, not on the rocks. You have a couple of those bad boys. Now, one thing for sure, um, one of the cool stories about Sinatra was uh, told by Chaz Palminteri. He told you if Frank liked you, he would share an olive with you out of his martini. So I guess Chaz met him at some party in L.A., who knows when, 80s, early 90s. Maybe Chaz was doing Bronx Tale, so it was early 90s. And met him, and he started talking to Sinatra on, like, the, the deck or the, what do you call it? Not the deck. What the fuck do you call it? The balcony. And they're sipping and whatever, and Frank finishes his drink, pulls out the olive on a... On a toothpick, hangs it over to Chaz. Nice meeting you, Chaz. And that was it. And I was like being, it's like being knighted, getting an olive from Sinatra. Better than being knighted. Being knighted, some old lady with shaky hands is putting a sword around your neck. You're going to lose an ear like that. Sinatra hands you an olive and a toothpick. That's fucking, that's class, baby. Here we are, stuck in traffic. The excitement. By the way, it's fucking freezing in my car. I, le- I left without heating my car up this morning because uh, I was running a little bit behind. And this is the thanks I get, getting stuck in fucking traffic anyway. So I, wasn't, I would never have made this train. All right, where were we? So Sinatra. Look, Sinatra's story is much too long to be told. That's one of, that's one of his songs. Um... Look, I just think about it. I did Hunter Thompson on his birthday, and it's much easier to do Hunter because Hunter's <laughs> Hunter's career like came and went in bursts, right? Hell's Angels, bang, that's it. That's that's one story. Um, Fear and Loathing, bang, that's one story. And they, then Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail, bang, that's another story. And then the eighties, nineties, there's not much that goes on. He works for ESPN, then he becomes he becomes a legend in that time. Uh, the 9-11 um, story, and that's pretty much, and then you're out. <laughs> then you're out, because the guy, the guy was, uh, I don't know how you, I don't know what's the right analogy here, but the guy was just one of those, he was like a fire, not a, not a firecracker, I'm not going to fucking compare him to a Katy Perry song. Uh, the guy was uh, not a shooting star, because it came in like, he had a many, I don't know, whatever, he came, just came and went in bursts. Sinatra, on the other hand, Span from the 30s to the 90s, 60 years of greatness, of stories, those ups and downs, right? Like his song, That's Life, Man. He was a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn, and a king. He's been up and down and over and out. And he knows one thing. That one thing is he just keeps getting right back up, no matter what. And that's Sinatra's life. And that's that's what people loved about him, was that when he sang, it was true, man. When he sang, it was real. You could believe him when he sang, because he lived that life. And people knew, right? And he lived in a world before internet, before all that kind of shit. And somehow, his story got onto the tabloids. And somehow, for some reason, 
the son of an immigrant family in Hoboken, New Jersey. Somehow it became the story of America, it became the story that everybody wanted to, to resonate, that everybody resonated with, that everybody wanted to be a part of. People loved Frank, man. People absolutely adored Sinatra. You know, it started out in the 30s when he was singing in part of a big band. You know, with dreams of being a singer. But he went over to New York, story is this, you know, he paid a few cents to go over on the ferry in New York. And he came back to Hoboken, a fucking king. He went over in the 30s, he, he, sang, with, he sang for the Bobby Soxers. The, the funny thing is, I probably would have hated Sinatra if I was of any age in the 30s. Because he sang, he, first of all, when he was younger, he did not have a great voice. His voice matured and it grew. He became great. He became Sinatra. His voice wasn't great in the 30s. It was, yeah, it was weak. It was kind of tinny. It was had nothing behind it. it. Had no experience behind it. it. Had no. Let's be honest with you. It had no balls behind it. Not yet, at least. But he was learning. Okay. And the women loved him. He was a skinny, good-looking Italian kid. And the girls loved him. And the girls came out and they screamed for him. Matinee Idol. And if it was if me or you were around. We probably would not have been fans of his, because we, you know, we've been like, oh, "Who's this guy?" It's just a bunch of, just a bunch of broads, screaming their tits off for him. Who is he? Nothing. He's a skinny nobody. But then he gets out of his deal. He wanted to be Bing Crosby, and he gets out of his deal with Tommy Dorsey. That's the old story. Who knows if it's true, right? The one from The Godfather, the Luca Brasi story. He may have been all for he can't refuse story. Where Luca Brasi gets Johnny Fontaine out of his contract with the big band so he could do this movie. That wasn't exactly the story because... Uh, whatever kind of contract it was in The Godfather. It wasn't exactly, but it was possibly maybe inspired by something that happened with Sinatra. to got to have Tommy Dorsey's contract to go out on his own. Because he knew he was going to be big. He could read the tea leaves. So then Frank goes out in his own... and kind of falls off. He kind of of takes off a little bit, and then he falls off. In the 40s, you know, he has some hits. By the end of the 40s, he's nothing again. 50s, he's nothing again. Tries to commit suicide. Sticks his head in an oven. Tries to kill himself. Dark days for Sinatra. And then he practically begs his way into From Here to Eternity, a war movie. War movie, believe it or not, biggest Sash fan as I am, never saw this fucking movie, From Here to Eternity. I've had it on DVD for 20 years probably, 25 years. I probably bought it when I was like my first, um, one of my first waves of Sinatra fandom. I've never watched it. But he practically begs his way into this movie. I think Burt Lancaster's in it. And he plays uh I mean he plays an Italian he plays an Italian American war veteran. To some acclaim. Wins an Oscar for it. Sinatra's back. He runs down the aisle at the Oscars. He's back, takes the statue. Here's Frank. In the fifties, he gets married to Ava Gardner. 
gets married in 51 when you're still down. Okay? She was rising, and he, his star was down. Okay? And now it's tough, you know? She's a big star. She's going off making movies with, uh, you know, big directors, big actors, and he's staying at home, not doing shit. But he's still in it. He gets this picture, and he gets his Oscar, and he takes off again. Made some great, made some great albums in the 50s. The concept album. That's Frank, man. Albums with one idea behind it. Swinging or drinking or lost love. That kind of shit. It's all there. Frank. Big names back in lights. 50s. 60s, even more. Takes off again. Goes off on his own. Does Makes his own um, record album. Reprise. Starts doing his his own shit. 60s take off. The Rat Pack takes off. Vegas. Sammy Davis. Dean Martin. Peter Lawford, the Kennedys. He jumps behind JFK. Helps him get elected. Sinatra with mob ties. Maybe he's got... Maybe he call, puts a call into Sam Giancana in Chicago. As the story goes. Right, all this kind of stuff is... Who knows? Right? There's pictures of Frank in Cuba with gangsters. Carlo Gambino, I believe. Right? I think it's the fucking Gambino family. There's pictures of Frank with Carlo Gambino. In Cuba, it's crazy. Didn't I say back there left lane? The left lane was closed. Why am I seeing shit in the right lane here? You know, this is impossibly stupid. I had to go back to the videotape in here. Pretty sure I said left lane closed back there, and now the two right lanes are all closed off. Fucking highway. The Rat Pack. Originated. Let's see. Now I got a fucking rubberneck here. Okay. Four cars on the side of the road. Nobody blew up. Oh, Christ almighty. Okay. So the Rat Pack takes off. It's a big show. And it's all these cool guys doing cool things in front of an audience of people who are half in the bag. You know, Dean's up there making drinks. Frank's up there drinking. They all do their little thing, their little song and dance. People fucking falling over. But, you know, I think that's kind of what made... That's what people loved about Sinatra. He brought his friends along for the ride. He brought you along for the ride if you were in the audience. He was up there drinking, putting them back. Okay? And he had his hands in everything. Like I said, he mob ties... Go back to his days of Dorsey. I don't remember the first time I heard Sinatra. Couldn't tell you the first time I heard him. But it's just a voice that you know is different than every other voice. I think it's got something to do with that. There's something behind it. If you hear Perry Como sing a song, all right, it might sound pretty. But there's not, there's no, there's no soul behind it. There, there, you know, there's no walls behind it. What's not just sings a sad song. You know he's been down in the dumps before because we we all knew. I mean, they everybody knew about it then, and now I mean it's 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 history now. It's in the books. It's common knowledge now. I don't know if it resonates with uh, listeners today. But it's the truth, man. If you were fucking depressed and down in the 50s or 60s, 
you put on one of Sinatra's sad records in the wee small hours of the morning. It's quarter to three. You listen to one from my baby. You pour yourself a drink. You sit with the bottle. You sit with the record. And you just you, you just go until you're, uh, well, you know what it is? You own, you own the sadness. You own the depression. You own it. This is what I'm doing. I'm putting this music on because I'm fucking depressed. I'm drinking because I'm fucking depressed. I am drinking to forget, okay? My girl up and left me. My girl dumped me. My, the girl said no. And you fucking, you took a drink. And you just fucking, and you, you put back half a bottle of Jack Daniels. Half a bottle of Doors, something. Whatever it is you're drinking. Half a bottle of vodka. Doesn't matter. Tangeray. You do it like a gentleman. That's what we're doing tonight, baby. I think I'm going to stop and get, I don't think I have any Jack in the house. I'm stopping to get a bottle of Jack on the way home. Got to do it. I know this is disjointed. It was all over the place. Then I start talking about how uh, did like the Sinatra correct retrospective in there. <laughs> I talk about how I started at weddings. You start with the you start with the vodka, a little wine at dinner. You have a glass of wine because you have a nice dinner. You have a glass of wine with dinner, and then you're on to the you're on to the brown stuff. You're drinking the whiskey then. And that's the Sinatra way. You can't wear a hat like Sinatra. Okay? You can try, but you can't. You can't smoke a cigarette like Sinatra. You can try, but you can't. I've smoked how many? I've smoked I don't know how many cigarettes in my life before I quit. Every one of them. Every one of them. You try to do like Sinatra. Maybe a couple you try to do like uh, Kaiser Soze. Like Spacey. And Usual Suspects. But you'd be canceled. <laughs> if you did that now, you'd be me too if you try to hold a cigarette like Kevin Spacey now. Let me tell you something. A couple weeks ago, Harry Connick Jr. got Sinatra's name back in the papers because uh, uh, Harry Connick sang one night in the early 90s. Sinatra's in his 80s at this point, or almost 80 at this point. Sinatra's in the audience, and I guess he shit the bed, Harry Connick. So he goes, I want to go over and apologize to Frank for uh, for my performance. And then uh, he goes, oh, he kind of ignored me. Well, no shit, you fucking shit the bed. Maybe if you were a fucking better singer, Harry, he would have fucking... Then he goes, he's, you know, and saw my wife, told her she was beautiful, gave her a kiss on the lips, and was on his way. To me, man, look, that's like your godfather's doing it, okay? That's an old uncle doing it. Not a creepy uncle. That's your cool fucking... Uh, your cool fucking suave uncle that can do that shit. That's Sinatra. He didn't grab her ass, man. He didn't linger on her lips. He didn't use his tongue. Gave her a comment, gave her a kiss. That's the Pope, man. And you know what? He said it, and I don't know, because I didn't see the actual interview, but the papers, the papers tried to put it out there to get a, a fucking easy Me Too headline. They tried to Me Too Frank, and you don't fucking do that. It's 2019, you don't fucking do that, Okay. No, Harry, I don't know if Harry Connick was trying to do it to get a few fucking Me Too sympathy votes from, from current day, because I don't know what he's promoting. It's fucking Harry Connick Jr. What have you been doing for the past 30 years, Harry? You come out of the woodwork to tell this story about Sinatra? To try and get a, a, a 
a nice Me Too sympathy vote from the from the general from the general public? No, Harry, be on your way, man. Come on, that's enough. Don't embarrass yourself. That's the thing, man. You can't Me Too, Sandra. He's a man, and I'm not even telling you he's a man from a different time. That's a man that was all class, that wasn't going to do anything Me Too-ish. All right? You know how many women he probably told was were beautiful and he gave a kiss on the lips to in the in the late eighties and early nineties? Hundreds. Okay? Wasn't just your white your girlfriend, now wife, Harry. Don't try and me too, Frank Sinatra. Get the fuck out of here. Alright, so what are we doing tonight? Listen, the best album is Sinatra at the Sands. That's the number one hands down best album. It's live. Count Basie is uh, in an orchestra. And they do the, the arrangements, and it's awesome. It's Sinatra in like 63, maybe, in Vegas, with a great band behind him, and he kills it. He's got every song you want to hear, or almost. I mean, he's got a million songs, but he's got every song you want to hear, and, um, and it's great. It's absolutely, it's, it swings, it's got, it's got some of the, the uh, saloon songs that he was known for. It's great. You know what I think I'm listening to today is uh, Live at the Garden, the main event. Sinatra in the 70s His comeback His comeback uh, Special I think it was on TV And now it's a nice album I remember we had the record When I was a kid You know And he sings some like Some modern songs He does uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life Stevie Wonder Sings Bad Bad Leroy Brown Just Jim Croce And he does his old stuff And the best part about it Is you could hear And you know about the audience The Garden that day You know Famous people were there Tony Bennett was there, actors. Uh, Howard Cosell introduced them. Howard Cosell mentions this, mentioned in the introduction, it, it talks about the stars in the audience that are there to see him. Then Frank comes down the aisle, and Howard Cosell, and here he is. That's Frank Sinatra, the main event, and the crowd's going nuts. People are screaming, Frankie! And it's just, you hear the love in that audience, and it's just, they want, it's their guy. It's their guy. And he's there. And he goes on stage and he doesn't, he doesn't miss a beat. And he's fucking, he sounds beautiful. And like that's, I don't know if that's the height of where his voice was. or the, I don't know where the best Sinatra voice was. If it was the 60s or the 70s. But his voice was perfect for it. And there's a little bit of Jack Daniels behind in his throat coming out when he sings. There's a little bit of, you know, the, it's the experience we're talking about before. That's where it is. That's the Frank that you knew. Right, he's got a little bit of that Jersey accent to him. That's the Frank that you knew had seen some shit. The Frank that you knew would knock your fucking lights out if you stepped to him the wrong way. That's the Frank that you knew didn't take any shit from anybody. And we end as we always do as we... Oh, if I can, you know what? I end... Let's see what time it is. I got a couple minutes because I missed that train. So a couple minutes. I'm going to tell you one more Frank Sinatra story. And it has to do with Billy Joel because every day I end this show with don't take any shit from anybody. Now, Billy Joel, in 1993, uh, his last album came out, River of Dreams. And he did, and he did River of Dreams, the song, at the, whatever, the Grammys. All right? That's the music one, at the Grammys. And Sinatra was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award or something. Okay? So Sinatra comes out, accepts the award, thanking everybody, doing his speech. And they start to play off Frank Sinatra. Right? They need to get to the advertisements. They need to get the commercial. That's enough time. 
they start to play him off. The applause thing goes up. You know, the lights blink and whatever. The, the music starts playing, and they start to play off Frank Sinatra. Talk about disrespect. Billy Joel gets up there, does the River of Dreams, okay? And there's a couple parts in that song where uh, I can't really do that thing, but like, there's a, like a pause. There's three of them in the song, and each one in the song gets substantially longer. Like the first one is nothing. Like it's, it, it's, it hits a beat, and it keeps going on. The next one, the next time in the song, hits a beat, and there's a pause, and then it goes again. And the next one is a beat, a longer pause, and then right back into the song. So I don't know which pause it was in, but Frank or uh, Billy Joel gets to the pause in the song and just stops playing. And he, and he mocks ABC or CBS, whatever the fuck it was. And he just kind of, I don't know if he crossed his arms or everybody. Like he stops playing and he goes, valuable advertising time fading away, losing valuable advertising time, and just lets it have dead air for a few minutes. Let's it, lets it play out. And then gets back into the song. But it's just the respect. Billy Joel knew. Long Island guy, New Jersey guy. New York loves these guys. Adopted sons, both of them. And Billy Joel play, paid that respect, you know, kind of sticking it up uh, corporate at, corporate's ass right there. Gotta love it. All right, that's it for me today. As I said, don't take interest from anybody. Have some Jack Daniels. Listen to some Sinatra today. Do yourself a favor. At least do my way, right? And uh, have a great fucking day. I'll talk to you tomorrow here on One Way.